But I want you to open your Bibles once again to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 38, and we'll continue our study of living by faith. That's what we're talking about, living by faith. If you're not living by faith, according to the Bible, you're not living right. Didn't say you were a bad person or that you're mean and ugly. I'm just saying that God expects his people to live by faith. And yet I don't know personally, I don't know that I could attest to the fact that Christians really understand what faith is. Obviously some do, probably a lot of them do, but there's more that don't, I think, than that do. I mean, with such a, a mighty statement that God makes, without faith you can't please him. And we are justified, made right with God on the basis of faith. And he that comes to God must believe that he is. Or the statement that he made in John 5 at the end of it, he that believeth hath, and he that believeth not shall not. That's a big idea. That's a big thing. It's all about faith. I mean, you either are understanding what it means and pursuing that, or you're just assuming that faith is another word in the Bible that we Christians use in our songs and our messages and conversations, but the reality of it hasn't affected the way I live. And I think that's where most Christians are. They are the product of what they've been taught. They live as somebody taught them and the way they assimilated all of that, that's the way they live. And they really don't know the way that is right the way God wants them to know it. Now, that doesn't mean you're exclusive. It doesn't mean you're better than anybody. It never has meant that. But it is, to me, an indication. As I look back over the last 44 years of my life, I think I have been blessed because God chose to bless me and open my eyes to see things that have changed my life. And those things that affected my life and changed me, I would like for everybody else to have the same thing. Because verse 38, it says that uh, the just shall live by faith. And then he warns us, but if any man turns back and doesn't want to, or maybe started this way and realize it's, it's complicated, it's not easy, it's going to cost you everything to live this way, your rights are given to God, and he's the one that's going to determine how you live, and you've got to make that choice. They say, I don't know if I want to live that way or not. Well, the alternative is not good. He said, if any man draw back, he draws back to perdition. And if you want to know what that means, look in your dictionary and take warning from it. So we first of all begin by defining faith. As I said, I don't know how many people understand it. I hope you do. I pray that I do too. I think I do. But faith is counting on God to do what he said. It's as simple as that. It's you by an act of your will a choice you're making to count on God to do what he said. And, and you're counting on God to do what he said doesn't make what God said true because it's true whether you count on him or not. It's true whether you believe him or not. The word of God, the Bible says, is forever settled in heaven. And like the Lord, it never changes. To any generation, to any culture, to any segment of time in history. It is always the same to everybody. And what it says a thousand years ago, it says today. It'll never change. 
And what God meant a thousand years ago, he still means today. In fact, the basis of our faith, I'll make it personal, the basis of my faith. Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man that he should lie. Nor is he the son of man that he should repent or take back or change what he said. And he said, if he said it, he will do it. Now, if he said it, he will do it. If he spoke it, he will make it good. So we ask the question, what have you said? What have you spoken? And he would say, what I have spoken that I want you to know is in a book. It's in the Bible. The Bible is a declaration of God and his intentions and his will. These are his decrees. This is what he has established everything on. And if he said this, then this is what he wants you in approaching him to know that he will do. If he said it, he will do it. If he spoke it, then he will make it good because God cannot lie. He cannot change what he said and say, well, I said that, but I didn't mean that. He never says that. God is reliable, God is just, and God is holy. One of his attributes is faithfulness. God is faithful. It says that many times in Scripture. And if he is faithful, all he requires of us is to likewise be faithful. Faithful to what? Faithful to his word. That's what he watches over to perform in Jeremiah 1. This is what God does. He watches over this word to perform it. And he puts so much emphasis on his word that the psalmist said that he honors his word even above his name in Psalm 138. So he honors his word even above his name. That's pretty big. I mean, he gives us this word. Not everybody gets it. Oh, you can buy a copy of the Bible. You know what I mean. But didn't he say that blessed are you because you see? He said to others, they cannot see. What do you mean? Well, they can open up the same Bible you have. They can buy it the same place, same version, same day, same money. They look at it, but they can't get it. Do you know why? Jesus said to Peter once, he said, who do men say that I am? He said, well, some say this and some, that. He, some say that. And Jesus said to Peter, well, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? He said, thou art the Christ, son of the living God. You know what Jesus said? He said, you didn't learn that. Flesh and blood did not teach you that. That came as a revelation from the Father. God is so close and so personal to his word that you can't, by searching, find it out. Only God can reveal it. Paul prayed the prayer in Ephesians 1. He said that God would give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That the eyes of your heart would be illumined or opened so that you can see what God is saying. Because if you don't see it, you're not blessed by it. You're not excited by it because it has no real meaning to it. It's not a treasure, but when you see it and you realize that what you see is what God Almighty has chosen to show you, wow, you're blessed. You are really blessed on this earth. But the design of this word, what's it designed to do? Your blessing is just not in all the toys you get, but it's a way of life that he gives you to live, that he will guide you through and reward you for it, not only at the end, but while you walk through. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and 
that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So as we do, he begins to do these things for us. It just enhances all of this. It just makes it more what it ought to be. And the further you walk down the road, the longer you live this life, I think the more it means to you. You got more of a grip on it the older you get, the longer you live as a Christian. It becomes a true treasure because the world is in darkness. Jesus said the hour is coming when darkness would cover the earth. So you do your bidding while you can because when darkness comes, there'll be a famine on this earth. It won't be a famine of food. It'll be a famine of hearing the words of God. They shall run to and fro, the Bible says. They won't find it. Now is the time for those who want to hear to hear. And now is the time for those to find who want to seek. This is an hour that we have. This is one of the last hours that we're in. But for the word to become to you the way you live is what we'll call faith. And there's just various stages of it. The one we'll talk about tonight, I'm going to take the rest of the month to talk about it. How's that? We start out with this. Faith begins with the word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And as you open the word, obviously it's the Holy Spirit who directs your searching in here to find what God has to say. How should I live? What should I say? How should I be? In society and everything else, plus... The Bible is filled with promises. Nearly 8,000, somebody once said, nearly 8,000 promises in the scripture. Every promise is a blessing. Promise not for an ancient age that's in history, but at any age. For all the promises are yes and amen through Jesus Christ to God's glory. And so we have all these promises here. And what these promises do is draw us into a place where I desire to have what God wants me to have. Do you think healing and health is an option? It's a blessing. He gave it to us. It's ours. In other words, it pleases God to have that. Do you believe in prosperity? Now, you can define it in various ways. To me, prosperity is more than enough. Sufficiency is enough and poverty is less than enough. I'd much rather have more than enough. It doesn't take much to make me happy. But is it God's will for us to prosper and be in health even as our soul? Well, I just answered it. Of course it is. Of course it is. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It sounds better than down and out with breadcrumbs and nothing else to eat. If a little cornbread down by a creek bank, a few wild onions, maybe I can get by. No, God has something I read in here that the way I was told is not to what this Bible says. I began to read and I thought, well, why doesn't anybody believe this? Well, look at that. Thousands of promises. All these things that God has given to us. Did he mean it? Did he really mean for me to have this? He surely wouldn't entice me, would he? No, God is not a man. He doesn't do that. Men would do that. God doesn't. So what he says, he watches over to do. When I came to the Lord, I was one sick young man. I'd been sick my whole life. You knew that. That's all I'd ever had, been sick. And I found out here that I didn't have to be. 
I'd already regulated myself to go through the rest of my life sick and on my antihistamines and whatever else I'd come to. I would say, if it goes around, I'm sure I'll get it. And I did. And then I realized one day somebody taught me. The word came said, you don't have to be like that. That's not what God gave you. That's not the way you're to live. And as I began to search the scriptures, I thought, as Bonnie and I said one night coming home from a meeting years ago in Louisville, first time we'd sat in a meeting where somebody was teaching faith, all 30 of us. And we were driving home. She said to me, and I, I have never forgot this. You said it. She said, we've been robbed. We've been robbed. And the average church member would never admit, could never fathom the fact that in all their religious environment and pursuits that they had been robbed, cheated out of something that had been freely given to them. Somebody talked them out of it. I had been. I'd resigned my life to live a life of sickness with the philosophy that, well, you know, whatever happens, you can't do much about it. And some have and some don't have. But I didn't read that in the Bible. I read something different. I found in the Bible that those things don't belong to me. They belong to the devil. Because behind all of those dastardly things that happen to people is the devil. And I've been putting up with him my whole life. He was ruling my life. And I thought, wait a minute. Somebody had the courage to say what nobody else would say. It wasn't popular because people like to be sick. They enjoy it. They like to talk about it. That's why they get on the phone and describe all their illnesses and diseases and what they're doing and how this procedure works. They can quote that stuff better more than they quote the Bible. It's the Spirit. And I found out that I had that dumb thing. And I set in the course of my life, I set myself on a course to get rid of all that and to line my life up with this book. Faith comes by hearing. God opened my eyes to see some things I'd never seen before. And then I did what you do next. I got it in my heart. I did what the Bible calls meditate. I'm not talking about setting out in the sun on some beach naked. I'm talking about pondering and thinking about what is said. Most Christians don't have, they don't take time to think about what God said. Churches over there back to the routine. They don't think about, there's something here that's, that's a jewel. You need to get this. So I begin to ponder. I'd listen to a tape. I'd pause it a lot and ask the question, can this be true? I don't know of a soul I've grown up with. I don't know anybody in the church I'm in. I don't know anybody who has that, lives like that, or even believes that. Now, what would make me an exception? How do I know I can do this? I know a lot of good people that died sick and broke. Who am I to think that it's going to be different for me? Well, the only thing I could go back on, well, God for one. God for one, he said right here in this book, you're holding it in your lap. You paid uh, back in those days, what, $20? That's like 100 a day, I guess. You paid $20 for this Bible. You're marking it all up because you want to see that. When you turn to that page, you want that to jump off the page at you. And right there it says... You've been denied that. So I begin to meditate on it. Ponder, can that be true? Or what would, what would others think that don't believe that? Well, I wonder if, well, can I? You know what? I believe God will do that for me. Get it in my heart until I, you know what? I'm sure he will. Because second thing that you do, once you get this word in your heart and you find the promise you get in your heart, is you claim it. 
Oh, I don't know about that claiming stuff. Okay, let me change words for you. How about appropriate? I know you can't spell it, but it's a good word. It's a good word to replace claim with if you want to. You appropriate it. Or, if that's a little strong, how about this one? Make it your own. Partake of the promise. If it's like bread and he gives his word is like bread and he gives us bread to live by, why don't you take a bite of it? Chew on it a while. Did Jeremiah say thy words were found and I did eat them? And thy words became unto me the joy and the rejoicing in my heart because it works. It works. Things begin to work. And so you begin to claim these or you make these words your own. What Mark eleven twenty four 24 say, what things soever you desire, when you pray, you believe that you've got it and you'll get it. Is that right? Don't take my word for it. That's what I believe. That it's not in the Bible, we'll go to point three. But I dare say it is in the Bible. What things soever you desire. I desire just what I've just said over here. I found me something new here. Well, do you desire that? I do. Why do you want it? Well, I'd like to have it so everybody would notice how well off I am. No, that's the wrong reason. You know why you want it? Because it pleases God. Your motive, your motive is not to be Charlie Potatoes, but to please God. And I say this, if God wants me to be well, and Jesus died so that could be so, count me in. I want to honor God with my body being well. How about that? And if it's God's will for me to prosper, then I want to prosper so because that honors God. The reality of his word has been manifested in my life that thy profiting may appear to all. Something's working, isn't it? For, for us. Second thing you do is claim it. Third thing you do, if you've claimed it and it's in your heart, it's natural for you to act like you've got it. Well, I don't see it. Well, he didn't say you would. Not right away. Did he? He said, when you pray, do what? Mark 11, 24 said, when you pray what? Believe. If I could see it, I wouldn't have to believe it, would I? And I could touch it and taste it and smell it and hear it. If my senses could relate to it, I wouldn't have any need for faith that it's so. I can tell that it's so. It's when my senses cannot relate to it that everybody gets nervous. Because I believe I have something nobody can see. I believe I have something that nobody can prove. I believe I have something that is not evident to anybody. And I'm acting like it's true. Walking around as though it's true. And people wonder about you and your religion. Or as they referred to one brother about us, he said, you know, what about that religion? Like it's some kind of a Sticky thing you found in an alley somewhere, you know, that religion. That's okay. That's all he knows. That's the best they could do. For I know who said it and, and is a good person. They probably said it because he never has been geared in this direction in his, in his life. He approves of it. He's glad everybody does it. may go every now and then, but his hands off for him because it cost him way too much to live this way.
But you got to make that decision too. How far are you willing to walk with the Lord no matter what it costs you to get out of your way so you have no other gods before you? How much of a decision are you willing to make? How, how extreme, I guess they would say today, extreme, if necessary, are you willing to be? Because you see, whatever you believe, you act like you believe it. If you believe you're healed, you have to act healed. I've, I've done that many times. You can't always stop the evidence. You can't always sound like you're well when you can't talk. You can't always make it right, but you've got to act like it's so. And I've done that. I give too many testimonies, lots of them. I remember one time a stove, it wouldn't work, never had worked, had it examined, and it was tore up. It didn't matter. It was about 80 years old. It was the first model of the electric stove ever made. We had it, and it didn't work. It had a burner that middle of it worked and a bucket worked, which we never used. One day it came in from a meeting. It was time for my faith. Now it was a quickening of God. I looked at that stove, and I, I said, okay. Bonnie was back there taking church clothes off. We had church clothes and regular clothes, and so I just turned the stove on. I said, I thought you said this stove was broke. There's nothing wrong with this stove. Knowing she's going to come out of there in just a second. What? You know, women <laughs> hang on to words longer than men do. What? So she came in there, and she can tell you they, they were all working. Well, did you ever turn the stove back around to see what happened? I didn't turn anything around. If it's working, why look and see why it works? If it works, it works. That's like, it works. And this started us off. It, it had a big influence on my life. The fact that if, when it was there, and there's no denying that it was there. I mean, it was there. It was time to do it. It was one of those moments in which you're just boing. And it's like, this is now the next thing, the next phase of your life is right here. You know that doesn't work. You, your daddy looked at the back of the stove and told you how old it was and gone it was. And you're going to turn it on and say it's okay? You better think about that. Well, I believe it will. We still very and turned that button on. And before I waited to see and make sure, I just called and said, I thought you said the stove was, wouldn't work. There's nothing wrong with this stove. That's my confession and my action. And by the time she got out there, it was working. I told her at the church. At the old day, I mean, at the, uh, at the Christian church I was in. Had a board meeting. I told it to the board. I said, I'm going to give a testimony. They were already leery of me because I was saved and talking about the Lord. I didn't care. That's why I used to get in trouble in school all the time. I don't care what they said. And I told them the story. And the man, Smitty, Smitty Moyers. He came up to me after it was over or a day later, whenever it was. He said, I have been so blessed. He said, I've never heard anything like that. Well, not in the church I was in. You weren't going to hear anything like that. He said, I want you to go get you a stove, any kind you want. You just go get one and get you a new stove. I just praise the Lord. I told Bonnie, see, I might, I'm probably a little hesitant to do that. because No, nah, I don't want you. Know, I know you. But she said, let's go. <laughs> We went to the store, and she bought one. That I thought, I don't pay that. That's too much money, honey. Get, get this. She said, he said to get me a stove what I wanted. That's the one I want. And, but he didn't have any trouble paying for it. It was well within his means. 
And that story kind of started around town, around here, and all that should be and it did. So I said, whatever happened to the stove? I have no idea. I can tell you what happened to the new one. We used it. All I'm saying is that there's times in your life, don't miss the opportunity to use your faith. Now, you can if you don't know how. But if you're being taught, trust me, trust me that you will have an opportunity to apply what you've learned. And when God takes that moment to put you to the test, make sure, make sure you, you know what you believe in, that it's in the boundaries of this word. You know, like the Bible says, if you ask for anything, it's according to God's will. You remember that? The stove isn't even in the Bible. So it's not a specific promise for soul, but there's a general promise in Mark eleven twenty four: what things ever you desire. So my faith embraced that. When you have an opportunity to use your faith, it's a moment of growth and a time of testing. It's God wants to test you and bring you into a deeper walk with him. Remember, God's goal in this life involves you using your faith. Where God wants to bring us individually in my personal relationship to God, where he wants to bring me involves my faith. My faith will be necessary for me to get to the end. Or as we'll see shortly here, but I'm in no hurry. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1, 9, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You all know it says that? Trust me with that one, 1 Peter 1, 9. Receiving the end of your faith. It started somewhere. And when it ends, it ends with the salvation of your soul. You want to make sure you get to the end of your life with faith. Not as a word, but as a lifestyle. Because as the title says, we are living by faith and not walking by sight. So the next thing that we have to realize that once you have found it and you've confessed it and you're acting like it's true, you must have, I'm going to use the Bible word here, patience. How many of you know what patience is? Actually, there are two words in the, in the New Testament for the word patience. The first word for patience that, that I want to share is the word macrothumia. I know, I know. I can spell it, but it's a word which means it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's what the Spirit of God in you does to alter and affect your character so that the way you live and the turn of your life is to evidence Christ in you. Amen. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's long-suffering, peace, and joy. All of those things which exemplify Christ, which you never were like that all the time. These are the things that the Spirit of God wants to bring out of you. This fruit here is long-suffering. Macrothemia, it means you're long-suffering. Tolerant and patient. It's very important because we have to learn to be tolerant. If you're a person who's never been tolerant, trust me, you'll be tested. I used to tease Bonnie. I said, she wasn't ready. I said, okay, I'm going to go out in the car and blow the horn. That means I couldn't hardly wait, stand that she wasn't ready to go. But anyway, that's what the first word means. It means long-suffering, slow to anger. That should be one of the attributes of a Christian. 
you put up with a whole lot without caving in or without coming back or without doing something. The next word is our word for what we're using tonight, our word as it relates to faith, and it's hupomone. Isn't that good? Hupomone. It's a word used 33 times in the New Testament, and mostly it's translated as patience. Patiently, one-time continuance. But it's a word that has to do with something that underlies your faith, which keeps it from falling apart or giving up or fainting or going backwards. Patience is a force. A better word would be endurance or steadfastness. Turn to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. This message of endurance, now trust me with this one too, or listen to it if you don't want to trust it. The message of endurance, this aspect of walking by faith, puts together all the things that God has. It brings it all together as the reason that God wants us to walk by faith. In other words, God's goal for us, and I know you know this. I may use different words, but I know you know this. God called us as pig iron and wants to make stainless steel out of us. You get it? God called us as a uh, and wants to make a holy ho out of us. When God saved us and brought us to himself, there wasn't much to us to look at. That's why he said, be not fashioned anymore according to the world, which made us like this, but be transformed, made into a different form. Be transformed how? By the renewing of your mind. Let me ask you something. Is that a process or is that something you get in the service? It's a process. And remember that later on. It's a process. It takes time. It goes piece by piece meeting by meeting or whatever, moment by moment when you meet with the Lord or when you visit by the Spirit to, to show you things or to put things together for you. It, it brings you to a place where you begin to see things God's way. It begins to clear up and begins more and more the way it's supposed to be. Your mind begins to think in different ways. You're changing, as Paul writes, in the spirit of your mind. And if, in James chapter 1 and verse 3, I'm sure you're all familiar with that, Count it all joy, my brethren, when you fall into divers trials, knowing this, that the testing of your faith worketh what? Patience. That's our word. Hupomani. The testing of your faith. The trial of your faith. The word testing and trial is a word which means to prove something. To prove something is genuine or not. Are you genuinely sincere about what you believe? Well, then God will find out. God already knows. But you'll find out. And so will the devil, who's a tempter. And when he comes, he challenges your sincerity. He challenges your, your honesty about wanting to live for God and all that. He challenges that. And you'll either prove him right, that you are not exactly what you said you were, or you'll prove him wrong. And he'll hammer on your headpiece as much as God allows him to. Devil's never discouraged. 
He never gives up, never quits. He constantly, though he's defeated, how many times did he keep coming back at Jesus? He's, he's not embarrassed. He doesn't lose his heart and faint. He keeps coming back because he knows that human weakness and human frailty is such that if God doesn't strengthen a man, a man will usually fail. But God gets involved in a man's life. He begins to alter his thinking and, and, and he begins to see things God's way. And he realizes, like Bonnie said, that we've been robbed. We've been cheated. I'm tired of being cheated and robbed. Well, here's the way to victory. Here's the way you win. The victory that overcomes the world is even what? Y'all know that? First John 4, 5. Do you know that the victory that overcomes the world, and that's the devil and the sum total of all that he is, is faith. Listen to me. God has made it this simple. The simple act of taking God at his word is the way God has made possible for you and me to overcome everything that defeats people. For the world is the problem. You can't escape it. I mean, you live in it. It's enticing. The devil uses all that trash out there to lure you in a different direction. So the world becomes a little God. And you sometimes you can't serve God the way you're supposed to because of the influence of this junk over here. You got to have your eyes open to see what all's going on, or your mind has to be renewed to think like God. Otherwise, you won't have a clue what's going on. In Hebrews chapter five, he says, "The time you ought to be teachers, you have one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God." And have become as such that need milk and not meat. And he all begins that because they couldn't discern. They couldn't figure things out. They were like I was before I got started in this faith walk. You know, it just happens to some people and some people doesn't. And some people make it and some people don't. I mean, you just take what's sown to you and you just live with it. Not me. If you want to, you can. Nobody will keep you from doing that. But I'm going to tell you that you don't have to live like that. Because God's word begins to speak to those who listen to it. And he begins to talk to us. He begins to say things. And he said there, James 1, look at it, verse 4. You got to like this. Knowing that the trying of your faith worketh endurance, steadfastness. But let patience have her what? Why? What's the goal here? What are we after? That you, that you who has settled down to the, an imperfect existence, a flawed life, but who can do better? God says you can, that you may be perfect and entire or complete. What's the next part say? Lacking in nothing. Does that mean that lacking in nothing, that the almighty God sees nothing there to deal with? Nothing to judge? Well, now, wait a minute. Remember what the little book of Jude says? Verse 24, now unto him who is able to keep you from falling. Remember that? And to present you faultless before the throne of his grace 
for the church that he has brought to himself, all this gathering of people and made into a church. So much work to be done. But God said that he will separate us from the world and sanctify us, set us apart unto himself. How? With the washing of the water by the word. The effect of that is that we shall be without spot, wrinkle, or any such thing. We're warned, keep yourself unspotted from the world. Don't be a partaker of its evil deeds. The word tells you that that's why you can see what the world's doing and you're going to back away from it. But you've got to endure. There has to be an enduring steadfastness about you. A kind of spiritual toughness. A kind of spiritual stability that, that what you have is a treasure to you and for nobody or for any reason, you won't give it up. Turn to 1 Peter. You're just around the corner from it. 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse 7. That the trial of your what? That the trial of your faith, being more precious than of gold than perisheth, though it be tried with fire, that the trial of your faith might be found unto praise, honor, and glory at the appearing of Jesus. What do you do with that? Are you telling me then that, that the faith that I have that came from hearing the word that he gave to me is supposed to grow, and as it grows, I'm supposed to, as it is tested, get a greater grip on the reality of it and hold on to it and not let go of it? Because when Jesus comes, this is what pleases him. Luke 18 and verse 8, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man returns, what does it say? Will he find faith on this earth? He'll find religion. He'll find religious pursuits, religious busyness by a lot of nice, good people. People expending a lot of effort in some religious enterprise or some endeavor. They will be doing all of that. They will. But Jesus asked, when the Son of Man, when Jesus Christ comes back, he says, will he find faith? Faith, the simplicity of a person who has resigned him or herself to counting on God to do what God showed them. I don't know what he showed you. I can't vouch for what everybody else sees. I'm responsible for what he shows me. Are you with me? And what he said, he that knoweth to do good and does it not to him it's sin. And whatsoever is in the faith... It's sin. Because there's no other way. There's no exceptions. There's no alternatives. When he says this is the way walking in it, I know this is what God means. I know this is what he wants. And I know we've, we've got ourselves in many kinds of predicaments where it's hard to get away from. I don't know if I can do that. Well, you can do that. It's a question of whether you're willing to do that. I, I know, and I know too. Remember in Luke 14, he said, count the cost. That's what you do. You count the cost. Are you willing to live this way? And, and the reality for a lot of people is when nobody else is around, you know, Lord, I don't know if I'm going to live like that or not. I don't know if I can. You can. And really you can't because only God can enable you to live this way. But you've got to be willing to take the step. 
I got saved on June 30th, 1968, right before noon, because I heard a preacher say, if you'll take the first step, the Lord will be with you all the rest of the steps in your life. And that clicked. Didn't click for everybody. It did me. There was that divine visitation moment, like with the stove. There was that moment when I got saved, when I had to deal with something I never thought of before, and it just occurred to me, well, of course he can do this. So what are you waiting on? I got saved. It was my time. It was my place. It was my time. It was the day that it was going to happen on. And that was only the beginning. Because what I did not know, God says, now I've taken you, you're seething with this world and you're evil in all your intentions, your imaginations of your heart. I saved you. I put my spirit in your life, in your soul down here. You got a mind that's so corrupt, we got to change it. Do you know that happened to you too? Well, let me tell you what it did. When he saved you, he didn't give you a new brain. He gave you a new heart, didn't he? And your biggest problem is your brain. Because it was trained by the world. It talks you out of everything God wants you to do. Well, how would that be? I can't imagine. Well, that wouldn't work. What would happen to me? And that's your problem. Was that why the psalmist said, why art thou disquieted within me? So hoping God, he's talking to himself. Something in there was opposing God. It does us too. Something the way we were raised. Concerned about what people think. Well, what if I did that and this or that happened? What would I do? Well, that's a question you got to deal with. I can't deal with it for you. Nobody can. It's a personal walk. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to say? I'd love to go to heaven on my terms. God says it won't work like that. There's that moment. Let me say it again. I didn't plan it this way tonight, but it, it's going to it's the way it's turning out. There comes that moment when God walks to where you are. And it's that moment. And that's when you got to do something. You can turn around or you can deal with it. But a man who stays with the Lord is going to have what he says he believes put to the test. It's going to be examined and the assayer or the tester, the tempter, will come and do whatever he can to get you to fall, to get you to quit, to get you to give up, or as Paul wrote, to get you to faint. Just convince yourself by his thought processes, by his imaginations and all the things and little pictures he puts in your mind, images, imaginations, and all the little things he puts in there to entice you and threaten you and just scare you, just to get you to back off. Say, uh, not today, some other day. Or to convince you that you're not there yet or you're not spiritual enough or you haven't been saved long enough. Or you probably can't do this. And look how many tried this and failed, you know, and somebody used to teach it. What are you going to do? How do you know it'll work for you? I wouldn't get too excited about this. I mean, after all, anything he can do to make you put a question mark where God puts a period. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Mm, I don't know about that. There's a lot of people that are stronger than you didn't make it. I don't know if I'd get that. Isn't that the way the devil would talk? Of course he would. How do you combat that? With the word of God. What did Jesus say to him? It is written. And then he quoted it. It is written. 
It is written. See, I don't know. Y'all forgive me. Because I can't tell anymore like I thought I once could. I think I can, but I'm teaching tonight. I don't know how many of you know enough about Scripture after 30 years to be able to do that. I mean, it is written, it is written. Bless God for you. I don't know if you do. There's got to be this, this life which is more than a routine. It's a life. It's the way you live. We're talking about living by faith in which every day you refresh yourself in some way with this book. Every day you let the entrance of these words find a place in your heart so that they're on your mind all day. Instead of listening to all these talk shows. Instead of listening to all the gossip. It wouldn't grieve me if, if Facebook and Spacebook, it disappeared. And about half the people on those phones wouldn't bother me at all. We talk about things that aren't important too much. We talk about issues we can do nothing about but are curious about. We talk about it too much. We gossip. Like the little associated press gatherings. What have you heard? Well, I heard this. Well, what do you think? I don't know. This way I heard it. Get out of that. Get out of that. Devil lures you into that. What do they call it in the Bible? Help me. Say busybody. That's it. Busybody. Nosy, snooping. Do you think that can affect your faith? Do you think that can have any effect at all on your ability to believe? Of course it can. But the devil, that's what he does. He's a master deceiver. He lures you into these ways and so you get away from where God. How can you overcome if you're out of God's will? How can you become the overcomer, the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ if we're always doing something we shouldn't be doing? You know, the teaching might have been good. You judge. It might have been right anyway. But that doesn't mean it'll work for you. You've got to be in the right place with God. You've got to be in right standing. You've got to have a heart for it. And you've got to be willing to walk this way. You have to be willing. Nobody can walk this way for you. Nobody can endure for you. Are you still in 1 Peter 1? Look at verse 8. Whom having not seen, that's Christ, you love, in whom, though now you see him not, yet believing... You rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Isn't that what we do? Ah. Isn't that what we do? All right, let me see. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? Oh, we're supposed to. Joy unspeakable full. On the basis of what? In verse 7, the trial of your faith causes something to happen. He said that uh, may be found at the praise, honor, and glory to the coming of Jesus. You want it to be like that. Even though now you can't see him. But because you believe that what he says is going to come to pass, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. And the next verse puts it together. Whom, he said, receiving the end of your faith, what? Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your soul. I'm going to say this. Your faith will not be intact at the end unless you endure through this life. If you don't endure, your faith won't work. It won't be intact. And he says specifically here, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now, follow me briefly. 
Turn to Hebrews. You're back. Just go back to the left a little bit, a couple books. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 36. This was going to be my text. I'll make it that now. Let's start. For you have need of patience. That's our word endurance again. For you have need of endurance that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. And what can keep us from receiving the promise? You answer that for me. What can keep us then who started out, made a claim, had whatever we needed to get started, what can keep us from getting that promise manifested? You don't know. Well, let me tell you. I know that was a hard question, but let me answer it. He said, you have need of endurance. Let's turn around and say it like this. There's a grammatical name for doing this or a name in grammar for turning something around. If one way is right, then the other way has to be right also. I don't know what it is. Tell me after church. But if he said in, in that verse, you have need of patience so that after you've done the will of God, you might receive what was promised, then the truth is, if you do not endure, then what was promised will not happen. You can talk about it. You can talk about it all you want to. You can bless yourself by talking about it. But the fact of the matter is, God holds us to not giving up on what we started with. And endurance is what holds it up. It's the characteristic of a man. Endurance is the characteristic of a man no matter what comes his way, he'll be unswerved from his deliberate purchase, purpose, and intention of holding fast to his faith and his piety, even through the gravest and most difficult trials and testings and afflictions. He won't give up. A lot of people said, I would rather die than to change. I don't know that you really have to, but if it comes to that, he told one church in the, in the book of Revelation, he said, some of you are going to be put to death. Remember that? He said, hold fast until the end, and you receive a crown of glory. And yet in the last days, talking about all the things that are going to come in Luke 21 and all the events that are going to come about in the last days, and this is going to happen, they're going to be hated and turn you in, they're going to do this and do that. He, he promises us then, or whoever's here, I won't, I, that's another time for me. We're about there, but I believe the Lord's coming first. Amen. And you all can have it. We're going to. Let me pause here. I saw a window sticker on a car the other day going through the fabled McDonald's. The sticker in the back of the window of this car said, Warning, in case of rapture, this automobile may begin to swerve as my husband tries to take over the wheel. <laughs> I hope you got that because I sat there and laughed. Women. <laughs> Women. This car may begin to swerve as my husband tries to take over the wheel. I guess he didn't think he was going. But anyway, he said, you have need of endurance. You need to endure. You started well. You got the first part of this faith message right. You got to stay with it now. You got to stay with it. Don't give it up. Because you see, he that promised in the beginning is faithful. Didn't he say that? 
He that promised is faithful. So rely on his faithfulness to the very end. He won't let you down, but you'll be tested and you might think he's going to let you down. Things could get pretty dark and difficult. We've all been there if we walk by faith. I've walked through many a night with my kids not doing well, and a couple of times I've, it's just going to be bad. I hadn't had some as difficult as Bonnie had to go through. I mean, with the kid that banged head and not, I mean, just out. Put him to bed and prayed over him and went back and started knitting a sweater, wouldn't even go check on him. Because I'm believing God as well. I wouldn't tell this story if it didn't work. A couple of hours later, he came out of bed, rubbing his eyes, said he was hungry. These all happened early, and they sort of happened in quick succession early on in our life. It just made everything more real. I know a lot of people thought we were kind of strange because we would take a step of faith. No, they had never seen it done either. Maybe I was a pioneer. I don't know. I claimed a car, and they thought that was the dumbest thing, to claim a car. Well, nobody's going to give you a car. I didn't ask somebody to give me a car. I claimed one. The one I had needed, needed claiming. <laughs> Some other car needed to be claimed. God gave me a new one. A new one. 1973. And, of course, it was Ford. I mean, but anyway, <laughs> your patience, your steadfastness, your willingness to hold fast to what you believe and not be content with being a church member but an active participant in an eternal relationship with God, whereby daily he loadeth me with benefits and directs my steps, and, and I am put to the test, will I walk this way? Yes, I will. As I said, the older you get, the more you're willing, I think. You have fewer trials like you had when you were young, but you either prove yourself when you're young or you don't. But you can and you will because God is able to keep you from falling. Look in Luke 21. Luke 21, look at verse 19. Luke 21, 19, Jesus said, In your endurance, you possess your souls. Think of that. I didn't say that. He said, In your patience, talking about the last days, the last days and all the difficulties that are going to come in the last days. In your patience, he said, You possess. Your souls. Is that what he meant? Well, of course, that's what he meant. As I said a while ago, all the difficulties that are going to come in this world, what do he say to us in verse 18 so we won't get dis discouraged? What do he say? But not a what? But not a hair of what? But not a hair of your what? But not a hair of your head what? Would perish. See, you got it. It's coming. It cannot be stopped. Betrayals. I turned the radio off today. It was just the news. And all they could do was try to put fear, uncertainty, and anger in me. Who do they think? That? And I thought, you know what? I don't have to listen to that. My hope isn't based on the government. This world system's in what I did is taking care of me. God's taken care of me. He has been for 40 plus years. Why would I be concerned about all of this stuff? Wickedness, evil men, and imposters are waxing worse and 
It's not going to get better. I heard a modern preacher. Now, I don't know what I mean by modern. I guess one of today's preachers, and here I am, so I'm in the same day. So anyway, I heard a preacher say once that it's going to get better. It's going to get better and better. He must have been a post-millennialist who you know, think it's going to just keep getting better until the end is so good, everything is so much the way it ought to be, Jesus will come back. How deceived can you be? Who said it's going to get better and better? Evil men, impostors, he said, will wax worse and worse. Deceiving and being deceived. Like Jeremiah said in chapter 5, the last few verses, he said, you know, the prophets prophesy falsely. The priests bear rule by their own means. And he said, but my people love to have it so. They like that. But the last verse, he says, but what will you do in the end? Because all that stuff is going to do, all that, the entertainment factor in today is only going to bring you to judgment. And we'll say, but I didn't know any better. But the ones that receive the greatest judgment are the teachers. Because they're the ones that either informed people or kept information back from people. And as I said growing up, I was robbed. Nobody told me. But I sure don't want to leave this world with anybody's blood on my head. Amen. They can get mad and quiet and sour and walk off and stomp your feet and slam that cheap door. But it'll be you and God at the end of where judgment comes. I want God to say, well done. And so do you. Amen? Amen? Look at it again. In your patience, possess ye your souls. Now, another question, a valid question. What if I'm not patient? What if I faint? What if I get, and we all know this, what if I get discouraged? What if I'm convinced it's not going to work for me or I keep trying and it just doesn't work? It's just not working. It just isn't going to work. I don't know what... What am I going to do? Am I going to faint? He says in due season, what? You shall reap if... You don't reap if you faint. Any more than if you don't endure, you won't receive. That's I'm telling you all the other side of the coin with the faith message. The other faith camp doesn't teach this. The other faith camp. I'm dating myself. Faith is a wonderful thing. It has such promise, but here's the other side of the coin. It's a life you live. And without it, you can't please God. Oh, you get benefits. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not what? All of his benefits, they're there. Crowns you with loving, kind, tender mercies. You get satisfied. Renews your youth. All of that. But don't forget, this is a life with purpose. God had a design in making us aware of faith. There was a reason God opened your eyes to see all these promises in the Bible to inspire you to desire. I mean, he said in Mark eleven twenty four, what things ever you desire. You weren't here in a, in a wrong night when God showed you promises and showed you things he wants you to have. He's going to use those things. All these promises that God makes and all the wonderful things he shows us are part of his plan, for they inspire faith. Because the way you receive these things is by faith. Amen? Amen. 
How about Hebrews 4, verse 2? Unto us was the good news preached as well as unto them, but the word they heard, what? Did not profit them. Why? Because it wasn't mixed with faith. Or if it was mixed with faith and you started well, as he said in the book of Galatians, he said you were doing well. Who bewitched you? Remember that? Who caused you to fall aside and quit running the race? Who are you listening to? Who talked you out of your faith? Who told you that it's not necessary? Who in the world are you listening to? Paul probably said something like that. He said, you were doing well. You were succeeding. You were blessed. You received the Spirit. Did you receive the Spirit by faith or by what? It's by faith. And then somebody comes along and tells you that this is not going to work. Who bewitched you? Who held you under such a malign spell and talked you out of an eternal truth? Was it a smooth talker? Paul said, I'm glad that I came to you not with enticing words of man's wisdom because your faith will not be in somebody like Paul. I'm not so sure in these last days that there's nobody that's preaching the truth is any, has anything that anybody wants to be like. Just common, ordinary people. People you know are like you know each other, just human beings. Not somebody when they walk on the stage, you go, oh, he's here. Ain't nobody like that today. There's not many people today that were deep theologians or written books or have some kind of a global notoriety. That's where people want. That's what they run to. But God just picks ordinary people out. And he gives you ordinary moments like tonight. An opportunity, ordinary opportunity to make a decision. To either accept as true what God has said or, well, I don't know about all that. I have to put that on the burner or something like that. But if you draw back, you faint. Or if you draw back, you faint. And if you faint, you don't receive what was promised. What if I told you tonight that the reason some people, maybe you here, maybe some of you, I don't know, but the reason things aren't working for you like you hear it is because you're not enduring you talk about when you started once, but now you're about half afraid to get into it again. It can't work if you do that. At some point, and that time comes, you've got to overcome. You've got to rise up and realize that, that the temptations and the testings that are going to come your way are, what do you say in 1 Corinthians 10, 13? I know you know this. All the temptations that a man is going to face in this world, what do you say? Somebody tell me. There hath no... Temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow or permit you to be tested and tempted beyond what you're able to endure. But will, with that temptation, he will provide a way of escape so that we can endure, we can overcome. We can do it. We can we're made to overcome. But remember, I said a while ago, but God has a purpose. We're here for a reason. 
what you're hearing has, has a reason. We're not trying to gain members. We'll never gain them with this message. Another new building might be really, really nice, but we'll never have a large church preaching like this. There's just too many difficulties about it. Too many things are a little bit, you know, too hard, too much. You have to be patient. Let me close with one more verse. Go to Hebrews 12. This is familiar passages too. Seeing then that we are compassed about, he just finished chapter 11. You know what that's about. Okay. And chapter 10, remember chapter 10 before chapter 11 was, a, was about faith? You have need of patience that after you've done the will of God that you might receive. Remember that? 1036, 1037, 38, we walk by faith, but if any man draw back, remember that. In chapter 11, all these people didn't draw back. These were the heroes of the faith. These are the ones who pleased God. And look at all the conditions these people lived in. That's what the book is telling us. They were quite ordinary, just like me and you. Just like James describes Elijah as a man of like passions as we are. He's just an ordinary man. Moses endured as seeing him who was invisible. I mean, he was just a man like us. He cried. He wept. He drew back. He had his moments. His wife got all over him one time and said, you're a bloody man. Women. But it goes on. It goes on to describe those who fell by the sword and did this and did that. Tells us that Abraham received strength to have a son because Sarah received strength to conceive because it has to do with faith. Now, that being said, verse 12, seeing then that we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and a particular sin, I think, which doth so easily beset us and let us run with endurance. Let's not give up the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the perfecter or finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest what? Lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Well, it's not fair. It's not right. Who said it was going to be fair and right? Verse 4, you have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Jesus, it could be shown, shed his blood seven times in resisting the temptation not to do it. Started in the garden when he deal with the issue. Sweat mingled with his blood, fell to the ground. He shed his blood wrestling, wrestling with the temptation. Like he said in Hebrews 3 and 4, he was at all points tempted like we are, showing us that he was a man. And in the days of his flesh, he went through what we're going through. You know, somebody said this once, I like to jump down my seat when I got thinking about it. He said, there's a human experience in the Godhead. Amen. I'm not Mormon. But God became a man and retained as being God. God is spirit. He made himself a body. 
And in the likeness of human flesh, he walked in this earth just like you. He endured contradictions of sinners against him. He endured temptations and problems. He was rejected and despised. He hungered. He thirsted. He did it all for a purpose. He had a purpose. And he did it. John 13, he said, in this world, you're going to have temptations. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Never quit. Never backed off. Became the pioneer of our faith. The one whose faith and life we should imitate. Jesus did all of that. And why don't we? Well, he said... Was it verse 1 again? The sin that does so easily beset us? What is it? It's quitting. The easiest thing for us to do in this life with anything is to quit. Make an excuse, align yourself with other quitters, and rub each other on the back until judgment day. Anybody can quit. Quitting requires nothing. You don't have to lift a hand to quit. You just quit. You lay down, you give up, and you quit. And when you quit religion and you quit spiritual matters, well, I can't go back to that church. They condemned me there. Well, okay. So, so where do you go? What are you looking for? What do you want? Well, I don't want to be told how to live the Christian life like that. Well, what do you want? What do you want? I don't know, but I don't, don't like to. Well, measure yourself. And the Bible still says examine. Is that in the Bible? <laughs> examine yourself. Well, I failed a couple times. Look around. Everybody in here has failed a couple times. You might not have known it, but we all have. There's not a one in this room that hasn't got a certain kind of weakness about on occasion being tempted to give up. Struggle. We, nobody likes me. Nobody talks to me. Well, I had a trial of my faith, and, and I had to wind up going to the dark. So? You think you're the lone ranger that no other saint has ever done that? Of course they have. But if you quit, you don't get back up and keep going. And it's easy to quit. Huddle yourself up with a, and get you a little baba. Or get you a little pinky, a little sucker, and put a like that place. Well, don't like it. But remember, it is appointed a man wants to die. And after this, the ground at the foot of the cross is level for all of us. We either did or we didn't. And we have a chance to do it now. There is no reason why anybody in this room listens out there, wherever you are, you listen to this CD. There's no reason why any of us should not make it. None of us. Change is possible. Overcoming and enduring, being steadfast, you can do this. You do it. You mothers, don't tell me you can't. Some of the toughest creatures I ever saw were mothers. They got a baby in a crib, brand new baby. They're so attached to that baby that they only sleep partially. Mothers. I used to accuse my wife of being, she could hear a mouse run across the basement floor from the third floor. That baby whimpers quietly, it makes a little noise, up. She's up. I'm glad I, it ain't up to me. 
because that poor child would have had bottles all over his bed and smelt bad and everything else if it had been up to me because I'm not the type to do it. But a woman can endure. She is tough. She can do that. Just apply what you've already got to a spiritual thing and tell yourself you do not have to be a quitter. You do not have to give up. You do not have to draw back. You can make it. And you can. Amen. Bow your head with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask that you would bless to us the real deep meaning of your word, what was said tonight. Let them believe it, not because I said it, but give them understanding to what you've said in your word. That quickening moment that we spoke of, Lord, let it be something that we experience frequently. Sometimes by this way, Lord, knowing that we are indeed in your will, that you are gentle and kind to us and you lead us gently. But you do require from us. I know we can live this way, Lord, because you said you will strengthen us. You said we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Your word says that you are greater in us than all the things this world throws at us. So make us to fix our minds and our hearts and our eyes upon your word and to say to ourselves, I can be what God wants me to be. I give you thanks for it in Jesus' name. Amen.